Welcome to ContenderCast, a leadership conversation centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. It's Justin Hahnemann on the Contender Cast. We're shining a light on bright ideas. And today, you guys are going to love this conversation. We're in the sports world and in the self-improvement, make yourself better world. You're going to love our guest today. It's Dr. Dre Baldwin. Dre, it is so great having you on the podcast. Thank you for having me on, Justin. And they call me Dre all day. I'm Dr. Dre, Dre all day. I know. I, I love it, dude. This is so cool. And I had so much fun like getting to know you, researching you before the interview this morning. And um, I can't even wait to jump into your experience and the things that you're bringing to so many different groups. So let's do this. You haven't been on the Contender Cast before, and I'd love for you to share your background, how you got into playing professional sports, and like how that's evolved for you. So like, tell us your story and how you got into that space. Sure. Uh, how long of a story you want me to tell? <laughs> we, <laughs> I can take up your whole show. Right. <laughs> I'll let you you start, and then I'll ask questions. <laughs> okay. Well, I come from the city of Philadelphia, PA. And for anyone who's from that part of the country, Philly, New York, Jersey, Boston, D.C., every young man there for some period of life thinks they can play basketball. So we all try. And I started playing basketball around the age of 14, which is pretty late for someone who's thinking about playing in college, let alone professionally. But I had some natural abilities for it, at least as far as physically. I had some, I'm tall, long, long arms, athletic. So I started playing basketball and got a little bit better and just started to work on my game on the outdoor courts on a concrete laptop because there was nowhere else for me to practice. Um, there was no one in the neighborhood who took me under their wing. None of my, nobody in my family was an athlete. My parents are not even tall. I'm 6'4". My dad is 5'9". My mom's 5'7". So I got lucky <laughs> and I hit wow. the genetic lottery yeah, athletically. So that's what I meant by I had some gifts. And I just, I didn't even know what to do. I didn't know how to get better at basketball because this is, I'm, I was born in 1982. So we're talking the mid 90s. So this is no Instagram, no YouTube. There's nobody to teach me. I would just go to the court and I would just do stuff and see what I could figure out. And eventually I hit on some, luckily some good formulas to help me get better at basketball. Tried out for my high school team. Now in the city of Philadelphia, a lot of the schools are underfunded. So we didn't even have a junior varsity. Or we didn't, and we didn't have a freshman team either. So you tried out for the varsity team, and either you made it or you didn't play basketball. So freshman year, I tried out. I didn't make it. Sophomore year, tried out. Got cut again. Junior year, I thought I was ready because I was taller, a little bit more athletic, a little bit more skilled. Got cut from the team again. And then my senior year, I did finally make the team, and I sat at the bench that whole senior year. I averaged two points a game as a senior in high school. So you don't play any basketball in high school, and yet you go and you play professional after that? It's unbelievable. Okay, so what happened after yeah. that? Well, I walked on, I averaged two points a game as a senior in high school. I walked on in college. I played at Division three college, which is the third tier of college basketball. So this is... And March Madness will probably be happening soon. Yeah, people hear this. That's, right. so that's, right. that's Division One, right? Division One is March Madness. And Division Two, you never see. In Division Three, we're down in the basement. So that's where <laughs> I put it. So anybody who plays Division Three sports usually isn't someone with professional ambitions. You're just playing because you're good enough, but you know you're probably going to do something else in life. And you're in college. So I mean you have options. But I wanted to play professional sports. But looking at my background at that point, my resume, somebody would have said, well, you got a degree. I had a business degree from Penn State University. I went to one of the branch campuses of Penn State, which had a D3 team. And they said, um, basketball is probably not going to be it. So 
I, but I still had this ambition to strive to play ball. So I ended up, what I ended up doing is working a, a quote unquote regular job for a year. I worked at uh, Foot Locker as an assistant manager. I worked at Valley Total Fitness, who's now out of business, but I worked there selling gym memberships. And then I went to this event called an exposure camp. And this is where things turned for me. An exposure camp, for those who don't know, is like a job fair, but it's for athletes. So at an exposure camp, instead of you sitting around and or talking and shaking hands like you would do at a job fair, you actually play a sport in front of an audience of decision makers. So we got general managers, coaches, agents, scouts, team owners from around the world, because most of the players at this exposure camp, we weren't trying to get exposed for the NBA because the NBA usually drafts from Division One. Overseas would possibly take a look at players like us. So these are international decision makers. So I played pretty well at this exposure camp, and I took the video from that camp and I started calling agents. And this is, I went online and I literally wow. found phone numbers of agents, wow. basketball agents, anywhere in the world. Trying to and pitch I called them. them on the phone. Just right, trying to pitch them. Right. Wow. So I found about 20 to 30 agents who would take my call and just listen to what I had to say. And they would say, okay, well, let me see. And I told them, I went to this exposure camp. I played good. I had footage. So they said, okay, send me the footage. Let me see what you have. Let me see what you can do. So I went, I went and took that footage. Now, mind you, I didn't even tell you all. The footage from that camp was on a VHS tape. Oh. Right? This is, <laughs> We're this not, not talking iPhones. <laughs> yeah, this is this is not a YouTube link. This right. is not even a DVD. This is a VHS tape. So I went wow. to the local Eckerd, the drugstore, the and I bought Eckerd. a 10-pack of blank VHS tapes. Oh I had a double-decker VHS the VHS, what do they call it? What do they call those things? Yeah, where you get like record to record. Yep. Yeah, the, the uh, it was a word for the, the machine that plays VHS tapes. I forgot what it was called. <laughs> VCR? But anyway, the VCR. The VCR, yes, the VCR. <laughs> see? See how old we are? Oh so, <laughs> so, the VCR. I had a double decker VCR where you could record your own VHS tape. So, I made copies of my own game footage and I mailed that out on my own dime to all these agents around the world. Of all those agents I sent tapes to, one agent followed up and called me back. That one agent became my agent. He's the one who helped me get my career started. He helped me get my first playing job. That was at age 23 in 2005. And I was playing in Congress Lithuania. That's where my career started. And at the same time, that VHS footage, I knew I couldn't hold on to a VHS tape forever in life. But I knew that how much that footage mattered to me because it helped me become a pro athlete. So I wanted it for safekeeping. So I took that footage, took it to an audio visual store. They put it on a, a data CD. I put the CD into a desktop computer and I uploaded that footage to this brand new website where you could put video up for free. It was called, called YouTube.com. YouTube. <laughs> that's right. So that's how I started two careers at the same time wow. from going to that exposure camp. So that was that's my story that up to that point. That's amazing. Yeah. So um I don't know that our audience is as familiar with you know professional basketball outside of the NBA. So talk about what the that market looks like because I, I know I've followed a number of players that have played overseas and whatnot, but just share a little bit about what that looks like. Right. And you're absolutely right. Most people don't know anything about overseas basketball. They they think it's one big league. They're like, well no, <laughs> how is it playing overseas? They think that overseas is a league and the NBA is a league, but people have to remember a lot of us Americans, you know, we only think about America, but every country over there is its own country. It's like France has a league, Italy has a league, Spain has a league, Germany has a league, and they don't necessarily you know, interwine with each other. There are some leagues that do, but a lot of leagues, you're just in that country playing against other teams in that country. So if you're in Germany, for example, you play against Frankfurt, you play against, I can't remember the names of the towns, you play against Berlin, you play against 
uh, Wiesbaden, you play against Reitlingen, you play against Stuttgart, like that. So whatever country you're in, you're playing for a team in that league, and each country has different levels of leagues. So, for example, in Spain, there might be 10 levels of professional leagues in Spain. Or in Germany, there are, there are a lot of leagues in Germany. And some of them range from, you could even call them semi-pro, because there are players, there are people who play in those leagues who work nine-to-five jobs, but then they play in the leagues, and they might make money, they might not. So it runs the gamut. It's, it's so wide of a range of what you could do there in different countries. And each country has its own setup, own system. Some countries, there's only one league. Some countries, there might be 20. So it depends on where you're playing and the level of player that you are and what you're able to negotiate, what the situation is going to be. But it, it runs the gamut. And a lot of players will ask me, Dre, well, what should I expect when I go play basketball overseas? I said, well, I can't tell you what to expect because it's so crazy how different it could be depending on where you end up and you know, what the deal is that you're under. So it really is you have to get out there and just see for yourself. It's kind of like entrepreneurship. When someone came to you and said, hey, what should I expect when I become an entrepreneur? Like, how right. can you answer that question? No, you can't. It it's always different. It's always different. <laughs> exactly. Every situation is different. So overseas, uh, just for me, I played uh, for nine, an, over a nine-year span. I played, traveled through eight different countries wow. playing ball. And at the same time, I was doing this you know, this, this YouTube thing, quote, unquote. <laughs> That's what it was back then. Nowadays, it's a full-time business. But back then, it was... You were just uh, you know, some bum living in your mom's basement. You're making <laughs> videos. videos. <laughs> right. Or blogging. Either right. Way, so, but well, now I, it's a thing. One of the cool things you did, though, is you converted that experience into a book. And you've written a number of books and been on lots of uh, podcasts and presented to lots of groups. But the Overseas Basketball Blueprint, talk about that and like how you've helped others with what you learned. Yeah. So with the Blueprint, that actually was birthed from an article that I wrote around 2009 to 11-ish, around that time period. And that's when things really started turning for people who were creating content on the internet, for those who remember. But I wrote an article that said, do you want to play professional basketball or play overseas? Question mark. Read this. <laughs> and I wrote that article. And that's a, I mean, that's a hell of an SEO title. Right. <laughs> but I didn't even know that. I didn't even know what SEO was at that time. I just wrote it. That was. I don't think anybody was art. talking about it then. Right. Yeah. Or, or a few people, people who are way ahead of the curve. But, sure. I wrote that article really just off the off the top of my head because people kept asking me questions about playing overseas. And I, I saw that there wasn't much information out there. So I wrote that article and there was only five points that I made. I don't remember what all the points were, but I know the first point was make an effing decision. And I wrote the word out. But make a decision <laughs> that you actually want to do this thing, which is probably the best advice you give to an entrepreneur as well. Because right. Stop it's thinking not always about guaranteed. It. Try right. It's yep. a ton of, a ton of uh, uncertainty. And it's not always going to be easy, but if you've made the decision that you're going to stick with it, then you'll stick with it. So I wrote that five point article about what you need to do to play overseas. And that article, I mean, even still to this day, brings maybe more traffic to my site than anything I've ever created. And it's over 10 years later. So that article, a lot of people read it. Obviously, I got a lot of response from it and I would get more questions. So I just wrote another article and another article and another article. And eventually all those articles, I just compiled, compiled them all together and made it into a book. Again, before people were telling you to go do that. So I, that's how the overseas basketball group kind of came to be. And that's really how all of my content exists. Whenever someone asks me a question, I get asked the same question more than once. I'm creating an article or a video or a podcast talking about it. And that's how I create my content. 
all I do is answer questions. That's just awesome. And for those who don't know Dre, you can check him out at dreallday.com. He's also got a great podcast that's called Work on Your Game. And we're going to talk about that because um, you have a brand new book, which you had sent over. Uh, work on your game. Use the pro athlete mindset to dominate your game in business, sports, and life. And so, again, like one one of the things I thought was really cool about you is not just that you had played sports and you converted that into you know here's what I learned from it, but like you really have built your like a brand around content and your experiences. And I mean, you're bringing that to a, a broad set of people, right? I mean, you're not just talking to those that want to play basketball. You're talking to groups. You're talking to people that want to be better and i think this book is really cool and i gotta ask like so so what how did you decide to put this together and was it a compilation of stuff you'd already done and you made it into a book or was this something that's kind of evolved over time a oh, great question so i had always had in my mind because by the point working your game came out i had actually self-published every book that i'd ever put out was self-published well, more than 20 books right i think you said 22 right. 23 books now wow yeah, I was at number, I believe I was at around 21 at the crazy. time that That's crazy. I had, yeah, at the time I, this is what happened actually, it kind of ties into what I talked about earlier with the exposure camp. I, when I finished playing pro ball, it was around 2015, I decided one of the things I wanted to do was get into professional speaking. And the thing about professional speaking is similar to the basketball world is that you might have to, you might have to do some free work just to prove that you're good. Sure, to get yourself before, out there. Absolutely. Right, before anybody's willing to pay you. So... I had done some free work. I had done some TED Talks. I had, I felt like I had proven myself fairly well. <laughs> and someone reached out to me and said, hey, and I actually, I had someone doing some work for me at the time. And I told them, I gave them all the information because you may know, and I'm sure you have some speakers listening, who sometimes a call for speakers gets put out. That's right. And with the call for speakers, you just fill out this form with your info. Yep. Six months later, you don't even remember you filled it out. That's you know, right. You no, yes or no, exactly. Right? Yep. Right. So, so I had someone who would fill out the form on my behalf. I didn't even know about the form getting filled out, and I got reached back, and they said, "Hey, you've been chosen to speak at this conference." And it was in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm that's, in Miami. That's where I live. Right. You live in Atlanta. Yep. Okay. Perfect. Right. So it was at the World Con- World Congress. Oh yeah. In Georgia, is that yep. name of that place. Yeah. Yep. So they told me they they had wanted me to come speak, and I said, "Okay, well, uh, do you all have my feet?" <laughs> and they said <laughs> they said uh we don't pay yeah we don't pay speakers right <laughs> so i which oh by the way a little sidebar for those listening that think everybody that speaks gets paid that's not the case in a lot of places oh, no, absolutely not. a lot of events don't have budget for speakers sorry go ahead dre <laughs> yes a lot of events don't pay speakers so they told me they don't have a budget and my initial response to them was okay well i'm not speaking if you're not paying me i'm not coming <laughs> right but we'll pay for your airfare and hotel though <laughs> Well, she said, we don't even pay for that. Oh, She said, no. we don't pay for anything. Oh she said, everyone who speaks at our conference, they come on their own dime. They book their own hotel. Wow. They pay for their own food. Or they don't pay for anything. And I said, well, that's not happening. I'm not coming. Right. And she responded and said, um, I can't tell you what to do, sir, but I strongly suggest you reconsider and come to wow. this conference. And that was, she was, nobody ever says that. Right. Usually if you say Most no, people, they just say, okay. Yeah, fine. We'll, we'll move to, to the next person. person. Yeah, exactly. And because she said that, I said, okay, I'll do it. Just because she said that. that I had sure. I had no point of reference with this conference. So I ended up going to the conference and I was speaking on, it was actually, actually the title of my book was the exact title of the speech, Applying a Pro-Athlete Mindset to Business and Life. So people can understand I was a pro athlete. They can read the little sure. bio. It's a great it. subtitle. I loved it. Yeah. I mean, it gets people's attention. Yep. So before I even stepped on stage, uh, Justin, I'm in stepping into the room. And obviously, people know what I look like because they saw a photo. 
And this is a six four black guy at this conference, so they pretty much knew it was me. This woman approached me and she said, Hey Dre, you know, I heard you're gonna be speaking here. I, the reason I came to the room, she worked for the National Basketball Association. Oh, no the, way. The, office, the front office, wow. the management part of things, right? And she said, Well, you know, obviously you've been able to take your pro athlete career and transition into the business world. You know, we try to teach our players, we try to get plant that seed in their minds while they're still playing, you know, through the players association, right? And also through the G League, the development league. So she said, um, she hadn't even heard me spoke yet, but she said, uh, we need to talk because we want you to do some dates for us. Wow. So I ended so up doing well 10 worth dates. Coming to do the free event NBA. and get invited to others. Right. I ended up doing 10 dates for the NBA wow. that following season because when I spoke, it was in the summertime. So that upcoming wow. fall, I did 10 dates for the NBA just off of that. And she proposed this to me before I had even said a word on stage. Right. So... <laughs> Again, no it was pressure just because I was there. Right? <laughs> no it was pressure. My position, right? You know, wow. my, my frame. So I went and did the speech, and it went well. And after I got off the stage, and, and of course, anyone who's done any speaking, I'm sure you've done some speaking, Justin. <laughs> right. When you get off the stage, you got a line of people. Right. Want to talk to you? Here's a book. Sign any, my book. Tell right. Anyone who has it, anyone who's thinking about doing professional speaking. For this reason alone, this is an incredible ego boost. I know so it is. It's everybody the best. Shake your hand. <laughs> it's, it's the best. best feeling. <laughs> All right. I don't play basketball anymore, but that's the closest thing you can get to right. having a good game in basketball. So people <laughs> want to shake your hand, take the picture. Totally. So, totally agree. And right. So I, I get off the stage and amongst the people who are coming up and saying hi and I love your speech, et cetera, et cetera. A woman comes up to me and says, Dre, well, you know, I've read about you and I see that you've self-published several books. Have you ever thought about you know, doing a book with a traditional publisher. And she she happened to work for a Manhattan publisher right there at Madison Square Garden. And I said, yes, I have. Because <laughs> in fact I would like this, that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> so this whole concept of work on your game, I've been saying this phrase for over 10 years. And I had always wanted to make a book called Work on Your Game. It only makes sense where I took all of my philosophy, put it into one tome. But I wanted to make sure I did it right. I wanted, I knew I would have to block off a certain period of time where I wasn't doing other things like speaking gigs and actually do this book the right way. I wanted to get the design right, the, the editing right, everything perfect, the best book I had done. And I knew that through a traditional publisher, they take care of all that. They take 90% of your money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> They're straight offs, right? Yeah. Every dollar that comes through, they get 90 cents and you might get 10 cents if it's in the US. But the book will be amazing. The book will look great. It will represent you very well, even though you might not make any money off it. So I said yes to the idea, even though I knew I wasn't going to make a lot of money off the book. So I said yes, and the book came out great, but I'm glad that I did it despite the, the monetary situation because people, I mean, nobody's looking at me saying, well, Dre, how much money did you make off the book? They're looking at the book and saying, right, does this represent this guy? Does this guy look like someone we want on our stage? Exactly. Does this guy sound like someone we want the on our The book is like a calling card. Exactly. exactly. It's a door it's like opener. The, exactly right. Exactly. It's like the, the business card. Quote, totally. Quote. Totally. Right? I know some people are saying that's not a thing anymore, but it is a thing because yeah, it is. how you present yourself is how people will judge you. And that so book, true. if somebody ever comes to me and says, well, Dre, I know you got 25 books. Which one should I read? It's always work on your game. Work on your game. Exactly. Because it looks the best. It sounds the best. It's edited the best. It's yeah. a hardcover. It's well, the best book. And you know how, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you found this, right? Your writing has probably gotten better over the time that you've written those different books. You're approach things you've learned from talking to those groups. I mean, you've probably narrowed your focus on the content and the message, right? I mean, I, I would guess that all goes into that this product. 
Right. Exactly. So that book and even that book, I had to answer the rest of your question. You asked me, did I already have that material? I mean, that was my life. <laughs> right. I so basically true. took my whole life and put it into a book. I wrote that book and I mean, I was contracted for anyone who's ever worked with a publisher. They write you a contract for a certain number of words. Right. So you're supposed you know? to hit that number of words. <laughs> yeah, it makes and it it's very not a small contract. number. <laughs> right. So they, I was contracted for about 65,000 words. So that's about a 250 page book. Most books you see in a bookstore around that size. I wrote 150,000 words in about 30 days because I already had all of it in my head. I already knew exactly what I wanted to say because the four pillars of my, of my philosophy is discipline, confidence, mental toughness, personal initiative. So all I did was write those four headers. And then I just took every little piece that I've used over the years that I wanted to put in each one. And I just wrote them all out. So I had 150,000 words. So it's much easier for any of you who's ever creating anything to condense down from a lot to a little than to extrapolate from a little to a lot. Because when you extrapolate, you get trash. You have to write more than because of editing and whatnot. You've got to write overwrite. Yeah. Um, let's, I, I want to make sure we touch on a couple of the components of the book here. Um, just to unpack it a bit. So talk about, let's pick one or two of these. So talk about discipline and how that, that plays out in this book and how it's applicable to like some of those that might be listening. Absolutely. Well, discipline, the concept that I use is what I call the third day. So anyone here who's ever taken some time away from working out or you haven't exercised in a while, you understand the concept, if, even if you never heard of this. So on day one, you show up to the gym and you're excited because you decided to be reinvest in the gym and recommit yourself. You hired a trainer, you signed up for boot camp class. You got some new workout gear from Lululemon. You got some new sneakers. <laughs> you're feeling good, right? So the first day is good. Now it's hard because you haven't worked out. You're not in shape. The workout kicks your butt, but you're excited because it's the first day of something. Everybody's excited <laughs> the first day, right? Second day, you feel a little bit sore, but it's still new. It's kind of yep. like when you get a new car, you yep. almost forget that you got a new car. You walk outside, oh, oh yeah, I got that car. Totally. Right. So the second day you feel good and the workout's a little bit rougher because you're still not in shape and you have yesterday's fatigue built up, but it kicks your butt. But you get home and you say, hey, I'm doing this. Now, the third day is when <laughs> things aren't new anymore. No. Nope. Right, the third day is kind of like, y'all remember the MTV show, The Real World. You know, <laughs> what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real? All right. So this is this is when your body starts getting real with you and says, OK, we haven't done this in two years. <laughs> now you want to do it three days in a row <laughs> so, or three times in a week. Are, are you serious? Right. So now at this point, this is when you meet yourself because the day one and day two, you were going off of adrenaline and motivation. Motivation runs out and adrenaline doesn't. You can't live your whole life on adrenaline. Absolutely. So the third day is when the only way you show up to the gym and actually do a real workout is through discipline. Got you it. push yourself to do it mentally from the inside out. And this is not just about the gym. This is for professional athletes uh, all the time, for people in business. If you're working at a job, if you're in school, anybody, when you get to that third day, and I want people to understand that the third day does not mean one, two, three in a row. It doesn't have to be Wednesday. <laughs> right. It doesn't have to be the third time in a row. You can have a third day every day for a year. Uh, you can have a whole year of a third day when you're not feeling it, it's br not brand new anymore. But there are responsibilities that you're responsible for. And if you don't do them, it's not happening. And you have to stand up and get it done. That's what the third day is about. And that's the, the main concept of discipline. And I'll tell you right now, let the cat out the bag. That's going to be my next book, Third Day. I love it's all that. About that's cool, discipline. man. I love that. Wow. Okay, cool. I love that. Um, that's that's awesome. Like that. Okay, I can't wait to dive into that piece. Um, 
And it totally makes now sense, I right? Write that book. Now I, that's it. right. Now you got to go put that down. I got to finish it, right? I started it. I got to finish it. <laughs> um, I I want to pick one more here, and because I think this is an interesting one to translate from sports world to business. But when you talk about mental toughness and how it ties back to discipline and confidence, like you know, we all go through, um, especially in a day job. And if we're not playing professional sports, whatnot, we all go through setbacks and whatnot. So talk about how mental toughness plays a part and what the messages you've brought around that as you work on your game. Man, well, if I had to take everything that I talk about and only condense it down to one phrase, mental toughness would be it. Because mental toughness, how I define it is the measure of how disciplined and how confident you can continue to be even when you've done, quote unquote, all the right things. And it hasn't worked because you can follow all the discipline principles and do everything that any confidence expert tells you to do. And you can still fail and you can keep trying and keep working and listen to all the podcasts and read all the books. And it doesn't always work out. You could take any expert and have them write down everything they did. and You can follow it perfectly and still come up short because every situation is different and no two people are exactly the same. So mental toughness is just a measure of, I mean, people use different words for it. Some people call it stick to it in this or persistence or uh, the one who wrote the book, grit. I mean, it's the same thing. It's all the same thing. It's how much can you continue to push yourself even when pushing yourself has not worked? You thought if you did all these things, because that's what some famous guy on LinkedIn said in his post, that everything was going to work and it didn't work. <laughs> so are you going to keep doing it or are you going to quit? And most people, personally, I is not in my orbit, but if you really think about the wider world, most people quit so easily. People just give up on things so easy. And just looking at my own life, just from this little bit that people have learned to me, there's so many times that I could have quit. So many times I could have given up and just said, well, forget this. Let me go try something else. And that's what most people around me did, even though most basketball players were more talented than me, had more resources than me, had more people helping them than me. A foot in the door when I didn't, but they quit and they quit. So it's just so simple. If you just stay in the game, you know, if you just keep running, if you were in the marathon, just keep going. If even if you got to walk, just walk. If you got to crawl, just crawl. But just don't quit. Don't not finish the race if you enter the race. And that's really what all mental toughness is about. It's just your determination to finish the race, even though you see every all these people you see in front of you. You're like, damn, they're still running. I got to walk. I might as well quit. But you don't notice the 6 billion people who never even started the race. You're looking at the 10 people who are still running, but what about everybody else who's behind you? No question. You don't even notice that because we all look at things comparatively, especially with social media now. Oh, all we see is totally. these highlight reels, right? Highlight reels, so, exactly. Right. You see that and you're like, man, I'm doing nothing compared to this person, this person, that person. But you don't understand that, first of all, you should believe half of what you see and none of what you hear, especially on social media. <laughs> right. And second of all, like, you again, as the saying goes, don't compare yourself to everybody else. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday. Mm, it's a cliche, and it's, that's it's, a good one. I didn't make that up. I've I know, but dude, I like that. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's cliche, but it's true. If people can just stick to it, and the 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 principles of success in life are very simple, but we make it complicated because as humans, we tend to think that we're so smart that the simple stuff can't apply to us. But it does apply to all of us. And the only difference with every self-help personal growth book that comes out there, we just say it in different ways, but we're all saying the same thing if you would just follow it. And so many people 
say they want to do something, say they want to write a book, come tell you, ask you how they can do it, want to go and pursue this next job, go get, you know, become a basketball, professional basketball player. I mean, like, and then so many never follow through. Like, and I'm sure you found after your speeches, you had that line of people isn't just there to get a picture. It's like, hey, you know, I've been talking, I've been thinking about doing this for a long time and you sit there and you give them encouragement, but then a lot of those people never follow through. Absolutely. Because it's, it's one thing to be excited in the moment when you're so hearing true. something. So true. But it's another thing. There are people who are listening. I'm sure they listen to your show all the time. <laughs> and like, they hear I'm going to go do that. Right. They hear someone say something and they're like, all right, they, they gave me the, the quote permission to go do it. And you're right. excited. And then a week later, they're not doing anything. <laughs> they're not doing anything. Because the energy's not. <sighs> right. And lots of excuses. Uh, I can't find the truth. Right. Anyway, we could, that's a whole other podcast. Um, <laughs> right. Dre, Dre, this is so cool. I mean, I, and I'm so glad we connected. Um, share with our audience where they can find you, how they can get you engaged, invite you to come speak at their events, um, host you on their show, etc. Absolutely. Well, my, web, my main page website is DreAllDay.com. I have like 20 websites, but I'll just give you that one. <laughs> that's the main one. And it rhymes. I yeah. Love that. Yeah. Everything will, everything will connect through that. You won't forget Dre all day. No. If you get it, just Google my name and you'll see me. I'm on all the social medias. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. I'm on all of them. So if you send me a message in any of those places, I'll get it. My page that I use for speaking and things like that is DreBaldwin.com. But if you just go to Dre all day, you'll find everything. Links, contact me, email, all of that. I'm everywhere on the internet. You can't not find me. As long as you know my name, you'll find me. <laughs> awesome you guys won't have any trouble finding him um dude thanks so much for coming on i'm gonna have you back on a couple months i want to pick one of these other topics dive into with you but man it's been great meeting you and i look forward to staying in touch anytime man i would love to do it thank you for having me the contender cast is sponsored by henderson shapiro peck you can download additional contender cast episodes directly via the apple itunes app store the google play store spotify and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the ContenderCast, connect with us at contenderbrands.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender. Contender.